if you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. I have a story that may be hard to follow, because I'm not much of an author, and I've never taken the time to write this whole thing out, but it's a glitch that I think should be out there, because it was interesting. Back when I was a kid, I think like 10-ish years old, I used to have a lot of hyper-realistic and lucid dreams. I would often have dreams where I would be fully aware that I was dreaming, but at the time I didn't know that lucid dreaming was a thing, so I just thought this was completely normal. I never brought it up to anyone because I just thought that's how everyone dreamed. There was one dream, however, during these couple of years that I would repeatedly have. And when I say repeatedly, I mean almost every night. The stream always began the same way. I was holding a glass of orange juice, I would be sitting on the couch in the old living room. It had the bulky CRT television, the old faded floral wallpaper, and it was my mom's old couch that had a hole in the center cushion from where my brother had accidentally set it on fire. During the dream, my brother was back in his room, so it was just myself and my mom in the living room and we were watching TV. I remember that the TV was showing the story on a shuttle launch, which was almost a common thing back then. Those in my age group will know about when this was. I loved watching the shuttle launches as a kid, so I would always be there watching intensely. In this dream, as they showed the footage of the shuttle launching, I remember the phone ringing. I remember because I was annoyed that the ringing interrupted my watching of the shuttle. My mom would walk over to the kitchen and answer the phone, and it was always my grandmother on the other end. I remember I would always look over to my mom at the exact moment that her face would go from a glowing smile to a look of devastation. The call, in the dream, was always the same. My grandma was calling my mom to tell her that my grandpa had had a heart attack, and that he was being rushed to the hospital. The dream would typically end with her hanging up and telling me that we needed to go. No matter how many times I had this dream, and no matter how lucid my other dreams always were, this one was always a surprise. I could never do anything about it. I could never control it or myself in this dream. And I had this dream so many times over the couple of years that it occurred. After that couple of years, though, the dream did fade, and I pretty much forgot about it, mostly because I really didn't like that dream. Then came my 21st birthday. My brother and I were over at my mom's for the day, and I was in the living room sitting on the couch, though I was drinking a root beer, of all things. My mom was in the kitchen making dinner for us, and my brother was in the back of the house doing something in his old room. 
it was the same house, though a lot had changed. The wallpaper was different, the TV was a bit more modern, though still old by today's standard. But overall, it was that same feeling. But then, as I was sitting there, my hand hit that small burn hole in the cushion, and I got hit with this strange feeling in the pit of my stomach. It was almost like anxiety, but it was just this weird feeling in my gut. Then, the news switched over to a story to celebrate the 10th anniversary of one of the shuttle launches. I wish I could remember which one it was, but I can't. As I was sitting there, intently watching them talk about the shuttle that launched on that day, and all of the technological accomplishments since, they switched over to the footage of the rocket launching. As soon as this happened, I got hit with that hard deja vu. I glanced over at my mom, and I could feel a cold chill creep down my spine. My voice was barely above a whisper, but I felt the need to say something. I said, Hey, Mom, the phone's going to ring, and it's going to be Grandma. I want you to prepare yourself, though, because... She's going to tell you that Grandpa had a heart attack. My mom looked at me with confusion and concern, and she started to ask me what I was talking about, but was cut off by the phone ringing. She stared at it for a moment. I think she was absorbing that moment. She slowly grabbed the house phone and then answered, and sure enough, it all played out as I had predicted. Her face drained of color, and after a bit of talking, she said that we needed to go to the hospital. The entire drive there was silent. I could tell that she wanted to ask me what the hell that was, and my brother was completely ignorant to the situation. We went in, we saw my grandpa, and talked to my grandma. And the overall feeling in the room was a positive one. But... After about an hour, my mom asked me to step out of the room to talk to her. I did, and she surprised me when she looked me dead in the eyes and asked, Does he make it? Is he going to make it through this? Without even thinking, I shook my head and told her, No, he's going to pass away overnight due to some complications. I don't know why I knew this, as it was never part of the dream but I was completely certain of it. She nodded and told me okay, and we went back in. After that, my mom changed her tone a bit. She spent a few hours just talking to her dad about things, talking about memories, and asking a few questions. It was a somber time, but a loving one too. And what's worse is that it actually played out like I said it would. My grandfather passed away in the early hours of the morning. I think my ability to tell my mom that was going to happen actually made it easier on her, as she seemed to accept the situation when my grandma called her a lot more than I would have expected. We headed back to see my grandma, and we were able to stay strong for her. The days that followed were a bit of a haze, as we all had to figure things out and move forward. My mother and I never spoke about it again, and she never asked me how I knew, and I'm glad that she didn't because I don't know how I would have explained it. 
that's literally the only premonition-like dream I have ever had, and I don't understand why I had it. I don't know why it haunted my childhood like it did, only to come true so long after. In the end, it's just one of those things that happened, and now that I've gotten all into glitch stories, I have to say that this probably falls under that category. In my opinion, the simulation gave me a glimpse of the future, and I was able to recall it when I needed to. But that's my story, and I want to thank you for reading it. I hope that I never experience anything like this again, but I was happy to have experienced it at all. I only first heard about traveling across parallel universes a few years ago, and it was from various online forums and, of course, from YouTube channels like yours. After hearing these stories of drifting into an alternate reality, I believe it might explain something bizarre that happened to my older brother and I when we were kids. Back then, my brother, who was two years older than me, had his own paper route, and would let me come along to help him. This route was a rather small one, and it paid very little, but to us, it was candy money any way you look at it. My brother was sure to give me a whole whopping 50 cents on payday, but try to consider that this was the early 90s, and you could afford a small something for that much. So. I was happy with it, as the two of us would go down to a local convenience store called Speedy's after getting paid. My brother and I would deliver papers in the afternoon after getting home from school, and his route was in our own neighborhood, so my parents had no problem with seven-year-old me tagging along with him every week. The place that I grew up in is an old steel town in the greater Pittsburgh area, so all the houses are close together. The houses here are generally smaller, much older, and so are the brick streets. At certain times during the route, my brother would hand me a few papers and instruct me to deliver them to specific houses. We would repeat this routine every time we did papers, but one day it was interrupted by what I can only describe as peculiar. On this occasion, there were three houses I was to deliver papers to along a back street, Meanwhile, my brother would deliver a few along the next street, which was much busier than the one that I was on, with cars whizzing by every few seconds. This would be why our parents didn't want me anywhere near there. When I was finished, I was to wait on the corner of a sidewalk of a road called George Street, which ran vertical to the one that I was doing until my brother got back. I did just that on this day. But after waiting for what I felt was way too long, I got worried, and I started walking up and down the sidewalk to look for my brother. When I didn't initially see him anywhere, I called out for him and got a response, but didn't see him anywhere. Then I searched on that busier street that he was delivering papers to, which is called State Avenue, to see if he was still there. I didn't see him, but... I asked a man I saw sitting on his steps smoking a cigarette 
if he had seen a boy with a blue Bugle Boy shirt on. For those of you who don't know, Bugle Boy was a shirt line from the 80s and 90s that went out of business back in 2001. If you'd like to get an idea of what their shirts look like, you can Google their name, or look up the show Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and that'll give you an idea. Anyway, the man squinted when I asked him this, as if he had never heard of that brand before. Then he told me that he hadn't. I turned back after that and looked for my brother in the area where I had delivered papers once more, but he was nowhere to be seen. At this point, I wasn't sure what to do and started crying, so I went home to tell my parents about us getting separated, and they were livid that I left my brother, but what was I supposed to do? I couldn't find him. They made me go back and look again, so I went back to the block where I had last seen him. This was well before smartphones, but what would that matter? We were too young to have them anyways. I decided on doing the very thing my brother told me to do initially, and I waited on the street corner of George Street. After waiting there for a few minutes, my brother, who had also gone home to look for me, but went a completely different way, returned to the corner. He was panting from running, and was so upset that he scolded me for not staying put where he had said to. When I told him that I was indeed waiting there for quite a while, we were both puzzled as to how we could have missed each other in such a small block. My brother had a theory that we must have passed right by each other at some point, possibly on opposite sides of the street that I waited by, but I had a clear memory of watching both sides of the street, watching out for him. And stranger still, when I walked down to State Avenue, we almost surely would have bumped into each other at some point, so his theory is unlikely. After hearing theories about different universes running parallel to our own, is it possible that one of us traveled to one almost identical to our own? It makes more sense if you rule out all other possibilities. Two kids on the same block being unable to find each other, then reappearing shortly after? The memory is so bizarre, which might be why I remember it so clearly. To think that all of these years have gone by without being able to explain how we lost track of each other, and now, as an adult, what I believe happened seems plausible to me. This is my first time ever submitting a story to you, and it's about a glitch. I've been listening for a little while now and thought that a glitch like this would never happen to me. A little background. I work for an electrical contractor, and my job as an apprentice is to shadow a licensed electrician to learn what I need to know to eventually get my electrical license. So now for the story. I quite enjoy where I'm working, the company that I work for is a little old-fashioned with how they record our time so we can get paid. We use timesheets. The format that we use is very simple, so it's not difficult for us to figure out how to fill it out. In order to get paid for the week of work that you do, 
you need all five days filled out and turned in by Wednesday before noon. Typically for us, we fill out hours twice a week, always on Friday afternoon after we're done working for the day, and Tuesday morning before we start our day. This glitch happened on Friday afternoon when we were filling out our timesheets for the days Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We also sometimes leave about an hour early on Friday, just as a thank you for traveling an hour and a half every morning to get to the job site for that week. I filled out three of my timesheets, as usual, and I remember tearing them off together, so when I separated my written timesheets from the blank ones, they were all three still attached to each other. It's like a notepad thing so you can peel as many sheets off as you want without them all coming off, if that makes sense. Once I tore them off of the notepad, I went to go grab the skylift that we used to go up to the ceiling and move it to the corner of the building to let it charge over the weekend. I remember taking the three sheets with me over to the lift when I was about to move it. Once I got to the corner and got off of it to plug it in, I grabbed my tool bag to leave to then realize that I didn't have my timesheets anymore. I thought that I had them in my hands the entire time because there was really no need for me to lay them down, and even if I did lay them down, I knew for sure that they were going to be on the lift, but they weren't. I looked everywhere on the lift, and even on the ground around in case it fell off, and even the path that I took, but they were nowhere. I went back to where I had originally filled them out, right in front of the three other people that were there, and they weren't there either. I asked them about it, and they said that they saw me take it with me to the lift, confirming what I thought I did as well. So we ended up spending the next 30 minutes looking for those papers, but they were again nowhere to be found. I was so confused to where they could have gone. We ended up just leaving because it wasn't too big of a deal to fill them in again. I made a joke to the licensed electrician that I was under that maybe it was just a glitch in the matrix, and that I would probably end up finding it on the lift on Monday. We both just laughed and left it as that. And fast forward to today, Saturday, I was cleaning my room. Now, in no sense am I OCD but I tend to make sure that my room is clean that my laundry is put away in the right place. I was putting my socks away after pairing all of them, and when I opened the dresser drawer, I flipped. I had three timesheets in my drawer. Now, these timesheets were not filled out, but this still frightened me because I know for a fact that I did not place these in there because they were not in the drawer when I pulled the socks out of the drawer earlier that morning, when I took a shower and got ready for the day. I also know that I have never taken any timesheets home, because there was no need for me to, because I would always fill them out at work. Better yet, I was also listening to another podcast about conspiracy theories, and it was over Nikola Tesla's Theory on 369, I'm not sure how to explain this theory because I'm still trying to figure it out, but I just thought it was weird that I was in front of three people when I filled out three sheets, listening to this 369 podcast. I don't know if this was just a coincidence, which it probably is, 
But I just thought that this was very strange. Hi. I've experienced occasional glitches in the Matrix throughout my life. The first one I can remember is when I was in college and living in the dorms. My friends in the same dorm were playing a sort of game of hide-and-seek, where we would go to someone's room to hide from the others, and they had to figure out where we were, or something like that. I feel like it was just a spontaneous bit of shenanigans. I had gone to my friend's room and was sitting on her bed, just waiting for the others to find me. I waited, and I waited, and nobody came. Finally, after a long bit of waiting and nobody showing up, they opened the door and asked where I had been. I said that I'd been there the whole time, and they said that that was impossible. That they had looked for me in that room, and it had been empty until they looked there the second time. The other incidences occurred much later in my life, after I had children, and really are centered around my younger daughter. Both of my girls were scared to go down to the basement. I suppose because of a scary basement reason. However, that is where the laundry room is. One day, I was just sitting in my living room, my younger daughter, who was about eight years old at the time, very purposely walked right by me and headed to the basement steps. I was confused by this because neither girl would ever go down there alone, unless they had to, or were going down there with somebody. So, I called her name a couple of times as she was walking by, which she did not respond to at all. It was as if she didn't hear me. I then got up and went downstairs to see what she was doing to find her standing in the middle of the basement, looking around with a bewildered look on her face. I asked her what she was doing, and she said that she had just followed me down to the basement, and suddenly I was no longer there. Another time, that same daughter was waiting in the car for her sister and I as we were going to go somewhere. It took us a while to get ready. And when we went out to the car, she asked why Amy, her older sister, had come out earlier. I asked Amy if she had come outside earlier, and she said that no, she hadn't. My younger daughter said that she definitely saw her come out, but then she suddenly wasn't there. I have a group who is interested in paranormal and metaphysical things. We decided to experiment a bit with timeline jumping. There is a not-for-profit art gallery that we were all involved with. It's a very small space, and we spent a lot of time there, and were quite familiar with the place. After we did the cup method of timeline jumping as an experiment, a statuette of a pastoral girl suddenly appeared in that space that had not been there before. We asked everyone who was involved there, including the owner of the building, if they knew where that statuette had come from, and nobody knew. Did we successfully jump timelines? What do you think? This happened sometime in either 1989 or 1990, when I was about 15 years old 
give or take a year, in a small Midwestern town. I was riding the bus home from school. A few minutes before arriving at my house, I reached into my pocket to discover that I didn't have my house key. I could picture where it was in my room because I always put it in the same place. I didn't really have any friends on the bus, so I didn't say anything about it to anyone. I just hoped that a family was home and could let me in. But I knew that my dad wouldn't be home yet, and I was pretty sure both my mom and older sister were at their part-time jobs that afternoon. Sure enough, when the bus dropped me off, I noticed that my sister's car wasn't in the driveway. The garage door was closed, so I couldn't tell if my mom was home. Our house had five exterior doors. There was one in the front, south, one on the east, one on the west, one going into the garage, not counting the big door for the cars, and one going to the breezeway between the house and the garage. Unless my mom was home and met me at the front door, I would always use the breezeway door. My mom didn't greet me, so I walked to the breezeway door and rang the doorbell, hoping someone was home. But there was no answer. I pounded on the door for a bit on the off chance that the doorbell had stopped working or otherwise couldn't be heard, but no one came. I figured all of the doors in the house, this one was the most likely to be accidentally left unlocked, because it was the one that was used to let the dog out multiple times a day. There was a window in the door, so for security reasons, the lock required a key on both sides. That is, even on the inside, you needed a key to operate the lock. It wasn't just a lever that you could turn. Since the door was used frequently, my parents kept a key in the breezeway, hidden a few feet from the door. I spent several minutes ringing the doorbell, pounding on the door, grabbing the knob, turning it both left and right, and pushing on the door. Much longer than any sane person should. I kept at it for so long in case my mom was home, but had the vacuum or some other loud appliance running and just hadn't heard me. I finally gave up. No one was home to answer the door, and I had confirmed that the door wasn't accidentally left unlocked. I walked to a neighbor's house two doors down. They were good family friends, so I knew I could stay there, but there was no answer at their door. Then I went to a house just across the street from mine and knocked on their door. I knew the kids who lived there and hung out with them occasionally, although not very much since they were a few years younger than me. Their mom answered, and she said that the boys had gone down to the library. I thought, okay, the library is just a few blocks away and it would be a safe place for me to hang out until my family got home. But first, I figured I would do a full methodical check of all the doors at my house, just to make sure that none of them had been left unlocked. I walked back across the street and went to the front door of my house. It was locked, as I expected. Not that it would have helped had it been unlocked, because it led to a porch that had another locked door between it and the rest of the house. I walked around the east side of the house and tried the east porch door same situation. It was locked, and again, even if I had gotten in, I wouldn't be able to get very far, because it also had another locked door between the porch and the house. I proceeded to the garage. The utility door into the garage also had a window, 
because it was so sunny out and no lights were on in the garage, I couldn't see into the window very well to see if there was a car in the garage. I pressed my face against the glass, and I used my hands to block as much sunlight as I could. From what I could see, it looked like the garage was empty, but I couldn't tell for certain. Anyway, that door was locked too. At this point, the most sane thing for me to do would have been to go around to the west side of the house and check the one door that I hadn't tried yet. But for some strange reason, I felt compelled to try the breezeway door again. I was overcome with two thoughts simultaneously. The first thought was, this is stupid. I just spent five minutes pounding on that door, turning and twisting the doorknob and pushing on that door to the point that I was worried I would break it. And the second thought was, I'm a scientific guy, so I'm going to approach this methodically and try every door, completely ignoring my previous attempt. It's hard to describe the strange feeling I had as I walked over to the breezeway door. It was a strange feeling of being pulled back to that door. I felt that it wasn't right, that it made no sense. And why am I even bothering to check it, but something kept pushing me toward it. I walked up to the door, turned the knob and gave it a push, and the door opened easily. I walked inside, turned around to inspect the inside of the lock, and discovered that the key was kept in the room, had been inserted into the door and had been turned, unlocking it. I looked into the garage, no cars, so neither parent was home. My sister's car was still not in the driveway either. I was the only one home. Even when I briefly visited the two neighboring houses, I was never out of sight of my house so I would have seen anyone coming or going, in a car or on foot, but I saw no one. I haven't mentioned this to very many people. Years later, a skeptic once laughed at the story and told me it had to be a neighborhood kid playing a joke on me, but that explanation doesn't make any sense to me. First, who would do it? No one ever confessed to it. No one even knew that I had forgotten my key that day. Heck, I didn't even know I had forgotten my key until just a few minutes before the bus pulled up to my house. If someone was playing a joke, they would have had to have had a key to the house, but also know where the key was hidden in the breezeway so they could insert it into the lock where I found it. And they would have had to have gotten to the house, or at least be in the house, and had left without me seeing them despite me being within eyesight of the house the entire time. And on top of all this, they would have had to know to pull this trick on the one and only day that I ever forgot my key, that I didn't even know I had forgotten until just before this event. I have no idea how that door got unlocked. A glitch? A helpful spirit? Or some other paranormal phenomenon? I have another glitch story if you would like to use it. One from 2006 that I try not to think about because of the serious impact it has had on my life ever since. It's heavy, so you may want to include a trigger warning. 
Here you are. For backstory, I was raised from birth by my grandparents. My grandmother and I were exceptionally close. While in college, I was in a bad car accident caused by some high school girls skipping school as I was going to work, and I ended up having to quit college, file bankruptcy, and enlist in the military as a direct result. After the military, I returned home, became a cop and EMT, married, had kids, divorced, and then finally got to return to college to finish my degree. I was a single parent to a three and five year old, so I moved home to my grandparents to finish those last several semesters. My grandparents also raised my cousin, who at that time was 16 and in high school. His mom, my aunt, but more like a big sister since we grew up together, and she was only eight years older than me, still lived in Iowa, where we had lived while I was growing up. We're originally from Illinois, and I had made that 468-mile trip hundreds of times over 20 years at that point. First as a kid passenger, and then as a driver myself. In 2006, my college spring break and my cousin's high school spring break started the same day. So, when my grandmother asked me a month ahead of time to take my cousin to Iowa to see his mom, I said sure. The kids and I could use the week as a vacation and visit my old high school friends, too. The Saturday before we left, I had an easy A GPA helping single day advanced cardiac CPR class to renew my certification, which I'd kept current since I had been an EMT and first responder. These are important points to remember. Now, on to the trip and the life changing glitch. We were scheduled to leave on Friday, March 10th, 2006. That morning arrived, and I was not packed for myself nor my kids. My student aid check had just deposited that morning, and I also got an unexpected child support check. My ex didn't really like paying, and I'd only received it as a bond invasion on my ex's arrest a month earlier. So, between the kids, last-minute packing, checking the bank to make sure the money was there for the trip a 16-year-old hovering asking if we could leave yet, it was chaotic and an unusually disorganized morning. I actually had to turn around at the front door, go back to the living room, and kiss my grandmother on the cheek goodbye to tell her I love her. I drove the 468 miles, 7 trip with a 3, 5, and 16-year-old with no problem. However, those days in Iowa left me feeling like I needed to go back home. My aunt and I went to Omaha, shopping. I visited high school friends. I took my young kids around my old haunts, but I was nagged heavily the whole time. Finally, I decided to cut the trip short and return home early. My cousin was returning Sunday with his mom, who was coming to Illinois for a visit, when her other kids started their spring break, so it wasn't a big deal to pack my kids and I up to return on Tuesday. Until my grandmother asked on the phone, Did you get that purse like I wanted? Unable to let her down, my aunt and I went Tuesday back to Omaha to find my grandmother a new purse. Mission accomplished. We left on Wednesday, March 15th, 2006 to return home. 
the date of this glitch is permanently etched into my memory. And several hours into the trip, on the straight two-lane highway I'd driven countless times before, with my three- and five-year-olds as my only company driving for the seven-hour trip back home to Illinois, I was breaking the monotony talking to a friend on my cell phone. I never made a turn, I never strayed from the highway in any capacity, yet I suddenly realized I didn't know where I was. Nothing looked familiar. I really got jolted to realize the highway sign showed a different highway instead of the one I'd traveled for the majority of my life. So I pulled over, and I asked the gas station attendant who clearly thought I'd lost my marbles where we were. Somehow, without turning, I went from driving east in Iowa to driving south in the middle of Missouri. I bought a map, called my grandparents as my grandfather was a retired over-the-road truck driver, and started telling them with shock and disbelief that while driving my way home, I'm at a place that I should be hours away from. That seven-hour drive took thirteen and a half hours alone, shocked with a three- and five-year-old getting more and more grouchy in their car seats, and me navigating unfamiliar roads via old-school Atlas maps. By the time I got to a town 45 minutes from home, where a friend lived, at 1am, I couldn't safely go any further and stayed the night with her and her kids. The next day I was slow, tired, still pondering how I ended up so far off course, and in no hurry, oddly enough, to get home. I talked to my grandmother several times that morning, and she was suddenly anxious for my return. Hurry up, I need your help with the fish tank, and I'm anxious for my new purse, she said. A short time later, I was on my way home again and leaving the town my friend lives in. I called home to let them know I would be there in 45 minutes or so, and that I would need help with the kids and the unloading. My grandfather answered, and he never answered the phone. He was clearly shaken, telling me my grandmother was really sick, that paramedics were working on her, that she fell in the kitchen. I asked if he had called anyone else, and he said no. I said that I would, and that I would meet them at the hospital after stopping to pick up my mom on the way. The hospital was another hour away from where I was at that moment. My mom and I beat the ambulance there by half an hour. The paramedics kept pulling over because they kept losing my grandmother and had to keep shocking her. She'd had a massive heart attack and my grandfather, with COPD and diminished lung capacity, had to do CPR, having never done it before, via 911 instructions over the phone, before giving up and putting his oxygen on her while waiting for the paramedics to arrive from 15 miles away. Ultimately, she died the next day, March 17th, 2006, from brain damage from the lack of oxygen. Had I been home, which I would have been had I not glitched into Missouri, I could have saved her. I would have done the CPR effectively, and with much stronger lung capacity. I had just renewed my advanced cardiac CPR certification days before leaving on the trip. To this day, I can't figure out how I ended up in Missouri or why the glitch would happen in such a way 
to prevent me from saving my beloved grandmother's life. Those three days in 2006, March 15th, the glitch, March 16th, heart attack, and March 17th, death, are three of the most hated days of my life. The fourth is April 25th, 2023, with another much smaller but no less impactful glitch, but that's another story. After going through a divorce, I ended up moving in with my parents for a few years. They live in a rural area, on some acreage, and during the time I lived there, my dad and I did a bunch of gardening together. One year we put in a huge online order for seeds and plant starts. I had read about pawpaw trees in a gardening magazine and decided I would try growing them. My parents already had all sorts of fruit trees, nut trees, and berry bushes, but pawpaw was a fruit that I hadn't tried and I thought that it would add nice variety. So, I ordered two pawpaw tree starts. When our order arrived, I sat in the living room with my dad and opened the box, pulling the seed packets and starts one by one, as I announced to my dad what each one was. When I pulled out the tree starts, the label said pears, and there was a note attached that read, we were unable to ship your pawpaw trees, so please accept these pear trees as replacements. I read the note to my dad and told him that I was a little annoyed, because we already had several pear trees on the property, and we didn't necessarily need more. I also mentioned that they should have offered us our money back instead of just assuming we would be okay with pear trees. It was a little disappointing, but no big deal. Before we started planting... We still had some preparation to do in the garden, so we just put the box of seeds and starts in the mudroom where it sat for about a week. When we were finally ready to plant, we went through the box again, and were surprised to see that the pear trees, along with the note, were both gone, and in their place were two pawpaw trees. My dad planted them in the field, and I kept them watered for the next week or so, until one day they were both missing. My dad thinks that maybe an animal pulled them up, but part of me thinks that we weren't supposed to have them in the first place, and the Matrix corrected itself by taking them back. Hey Raven, my story is a little silly, yet nonetheless eerie and bizarre in nature. I live at home with mom and dad right now while I'm saving for a house. They don't get out much, so I always do the grocery shopping for the household. I live in southern Louisiana, and we always buy the same brand of smoked sausage for our gumbo and jambalaya. We only buy this one certain Cajun brand called Richard's. Several weeks ago, I was going through the freezer to cook, and I noticed this pack of Polish smoked sausage that I have never seen before. I asked my mom and dad if they got it, and neither of them had any idea where it came from. We don't typically have visitors either. I did end up cooking it and just blowing it off. Here's where it gets strange. 
The next day after eating said mystery sausage, my mom, dad, and myself, we all fell extremely ill. We just kind of laughed it off and started calling it the mystery sausage and blamed it on that. As the days went by, we just forgot about it. In this past week, I went to the kitchen to cook dinner, and to my disbelief, that same brand of Polish sausage is in my freezer. I asked my parents if they were playing a joke on me, and they were just as freaked out as I was. I even went as far as to read the label on the sausage and go to the website. The sausage comes from a small mom-and-pop type butcher in central Texas, nearly seven hours away from where I live. We've even asked family members who may have dropped in for a visit if they perhaps gifted it to us, but none of them have any clue how we got it, and said they did not give it to us. Here is where it gets more strange. When I googled the address to the butchery that makes the sausage, it's a very small rural town where my ex-husband passed away. Now, this isn't a town like Houston or Dallas. It's a very small town that no one has probably ever heard of, so that's not just a coincidence. We still wonder how it kept just showing up here, and it honestly gives me the heebie-jeebies. First off, I'd like to say Happy New Year to everyone, and Happy New Year to you too. Raven, Happy New Year to you as well. I don't know if this was a genuine glitch or a really bizarre coincidence, but I decided to submit this story because I still can't wrap my head around it. Side note, I'm not good at writing stories and I'm not the most articulate, so excuse me if things don't make sense or look out of place. Anyways, this took place last month, while I was on my way to pick up my boyfriend from work. I live in a little commuter city in Southern California called Eastvale. His job at the time was about 10 minutes away from our place, but the traffic added an extra 10 minutes to the route. For those that don't know, this part of the region is known as the Inland Empire, or the IE, roughly an hour away from LA and Disneyland. Anyways, I digress. I was driving on Interstate 15 North attempting to merge onto Interstate 10 going east. Just for a bit of context, there's an on-ramp right before the junction that connects with the lane that takes you east. Luckily, I only have to get off the first street after getting on the interstate, Etiwanda Avenue. For those that really know, getting off on Etiwanda Avenue is almost like merging onto the 210 via 60 east. If you know, you know. As I was attempting to merge, a big dark grey-coloured Chevy Tahoe with aftermarket rims and a big exhaust that was loud enough to hear from the high desert, again, if you know you know, was getting onto the freeway and was attempting to merge onto the 15. I let him, of course, and see him attempting to merge into the deep, heavy California traffic. Keep in mind this all happened a little bit after 5pm, so the traffic was bad. I drive on by, minding my own business and listening to music. I was just about reaching my exit when I saw that exact same Chevy getting onto the interstate. Same color, 
Same big exhaust, same tinted windows, everything. You're probably thinking, dude, most Chevys look the same. Okay, yeah, but what are the odds of seeing a vehicle modified the exact same way? I saw the driver merge into congested traffic, and for said driver to reappear again in less than a minute getting onto the 10, it's just not possible. Once I picked up my boyfriend, I told him about the experience and he couldn't even figure it out himself. I'm still left in shock. Does anyone have answers? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Hi, Raven. I wanted you to know that I listen to your glitch stories often. I like that I can listen and relate to others who have had experiences such as mine. I have had a few glitch experiences in my life, as well as many, many other experiences that can only be described as odd. This experience that I have written out here is one of those odd experiences that was combined with a glitch experience. But for the sake of brevity, I'm only going to discuss the glitch part of the story here. There is much, much more to this story that I'm not willing to share right now. I'm very fortunate that I live in a rural area of Canada. I love being in the bush and try to be out there as much as possible. In the area where I live, logging roads are abundant and I love to travel the back roads and explore, searching for new fishing holes and camping spots. One day I was traveling a road that I had been on one time before, which passed by a small lake with an attractive campsite next to it. I had stayed in this campsite once before earlier in the summer, and I was familiar with it. The road passed over a bridge with a small river that fed into the lake on the left side of the road, which the campsite bordered. The weather was bad on this day, being the 30th of October, and the transition from fall to winter was well underway. When I arrived at this point, I was disappointed that I could not go through to the camping spot that I was planning, because the road had, at some point in the recent past, washed away and was impassable. I carefully surveyed the damage and assessed if it was at all possible to pass this spot by driving around the washout. I studied the scene for a long while trying to understand how the road would wash away right next to the bridge. It seemed odd to me that the road had washed away at all, because there was no indication of why it had washed away. The water was moving easily under the bridge, and there was not any debris blocking the flow of water, yet there was a missing piece of the road 12 feet deep and 20 feet wide right next to the bridge. I scanned the riverbank for some kind of debris along the shoreline and riverbed, but I couldn't see anything unusual. That is a lot of roadbed that was missing, and there should have been a debris trail, but there was none. Needless to say, I found this a very strange situation. I decided to just pitch my tent at the spot next to the road where I was, as it was getting late and I had a few options of finding a suitable campsite this late in the day. The next morning, I rose before sunrise, packed up, and left. And because the cold weather and rain during the night had forced me to admit defeat and go home for a warm shower, 
after that night, I could not stop thinking about how strange that hole in the road was. The winter snow quickly came soon after, and I could not get back there to investigate further. So I resolved to return there in the spring as soon as the roads would allow. Come early March, my faithful four-wheel drive truck brought me back to that place through the patchy snow that I left late last October. However, I was thoroughly confused when I saw the road undamaged, and returned to its original condition. The only conclusion that I could come to was that someone had repaired it during the winter, and looked for evidence of construction equipment having been there. I found none whatsoever. There were no tire tracks, no bulldozer tracks, no evidence of an excavator digging dirt nearby for the roadbed repair at the small gravel pit about 200 yards away, and no indication that the road had even been damaged at all. I scoured the ground before and after the bridge, thinking that I had been mistaken about which end of the bridge had been washed away, but both ends were equally unaltered. There were remnants of plants that had grown the previous summer and leaves that had fallen on the roadbed that previous fall. There was no logging in the area, and there were no cottages nearby, so no reason for anyone to waste time or money to repair a barely used road during the winter. I don't know what happened. All I know is that I saw what I saw. I only want to put my story out there so that maybe there's some small scrap of information that will fit into the puzzle somewhere down the road to help us all understand what the heck is going on. Keep fighting the good fight. Signed, 71857. This happened nearly 20 years ago. My son was about 12, and a friend of mine that I have known since he was 10 years old lost his older brother because of a motorcycle accident. My friend has been pretty much a brother to me, and I needed to be there for him. My son asked if he could go with me to the funeral service, because he didn't want me to go alone. We were all like family back then. So, on the day of the funeral, we headed out. The town where they had lived and where the service was taking place was about an hour drive, and I wanted to get there earlier so I could help out with a few things. The service for his brother was to start at 2pm, so my son and I left 45 minutes earlier so we could get there with plenty of time. And we took the same route that we always did when we went to their town. It's a pretty easy drive, and pretty much impossible to get lost on the way. We were in a 1997 Dodge Grand Caravan, a small family minivan. We were all about three-fourths of the way there, and had just gone to the last small town before we would get to their town. We come into that town, down past their Casey's gas station, stopped at the corner, turned right to head south and out of town. We would then go around five miles to the road that turned east to my friend's town. My son asked if we would have time to get a pop when we got there. I looked at the clock and my watch. It was only 1.13, so we had plenty of time. It would only take another 15 minutes to get there to that town. So I said sure. We were just starting up the hill, out of town. 
The next thing we know, we were at the intersection at the end of that route. If I turned left there, I would have ended up heading to Peoria. I would have to turn around and head back the way that we came to get to the proper turn. How the heck did I miss that turn? It is plainly marked, and I've driven it dozens of times. It was two miles back, but then I noticed the time. It was 1.14. My watch showed that too. I asked my son what time it was when we left that last town, because he saw it too. He said 1.13. Okay, that confirmed what I knew should be right, but it was now 1.14. A minute? Only a minute had passed? That can't be right. But according to the clocks, it was. It was weird. It wasn't like I blinked or had spaced out. Neither one of us knew what happened, just all of a sudden there we were, at the intersection. Neither of us had any memory of anything. Nothing, just poof. We went from the edge of that town to this point instantly. So I figured out 7 miles in 1 minute is 420 miles per hour. Now, I'm not sure if the amount of time was an exact minute, it might have been a little less. Neither one showed seconds. But 420 miles per hour? That's pretty good for a minivan. We couldn't understand any of it. It kind of left us both a bit unsettled because we both knew what time it had been. I want to make a note that this road goes right through the middle of a bunch of wind turbines. I've always wondered if there may have been a chance that this could be an effect caused from the way some of these are positioned, or maybe were in operation. Maybe someone has thoughts about this. Could that happen? One day, my mom and I were going to a funeral. We attended the wake and afterwards got in our car. I asked my mother where the funeral would be since she was in charge of the invitation. She said that she had no idea and didn't bring the invitation. She told me to follow someone from the wake. So we started following another family member as they drove in their dark green car. I know a lot of funerals do the things where they all drive together, will have their lights on and even little flags so the people in mourning can stay together. But for whatever reason, this funeral, we weren't doing that. It worked out fine as we followed the green car. We came to an intersection that I know quite well. We arrived at the end of the road at the light. We could only go left or right and the car we were following was still ahead of us, no other cars in between us. They were turning left, and so were we. There was only one lane to turn left, one lane to turn right. Once you turned left, there was another light right after the first intersection. So we turned left, following immediately after the green car. There were no other cars that could have merged into our lane as it was one left-hand lane. We turned, still behind the green car. The next intersection had a red light, so we came to a stop behind the green car. It was still one lane of traffic, nowhere for any of us to go until the light turned green. While we waited, we started talking, just normal chit-chat. 
Then I looked at the car ahead of us. We're following a dark green car, right? Yeah. Where is it? We were still at that second intersection. The light hadn't turned green, we hadn't moved an inch. Yet the dark green car was completely gone, and a tan car was in its place. The make of the car was completely different as well. The light turned green and we started driving again, though by now my mom and I were flipping out. Where did the car go? There was nowhere for it to have gone. There was only one lane of traffic. No one could have merged into our lane. That dark green car was completely gone. Also, where were we supposed to go? Well, by that point, my mom remembered the church's name, and we did eventually find our way there. It's the most bizarre glitch that I've experienced. The car completely disappeared and changed. After years, I discovered these Glitch in the Matrix stories appearing online. I was listening to some recently and texted my mother asking if she remembered the car changing. I have expected her to reply, what are you talking about, but to my surprise, she remembered it. She is still confused about what actually happened, and has no idea where that car disappeared to. And, most importantly to me, it wasn't a dream. It really happened. So, I was driving down my road towards my house, and I see my neighbor spraying the road in front of his house, which is right after mine. I really didn't think much of it, figured maybe he spilled something and was spraying off whatever he spilled. I pulled into my driveway as I usually walk in front of my car, jump on my porch, and open the door. But this time, I was walking around the back of my car. And when I look up, my neighbor is now spraying off his car that's now in the road where he was spraying before. I figured that his girlfriend must have just pulled up right when I was pulling in, and that's why I didn't see her drive up. There was just a couple of seconds from the time that I parked to when I saw the car so naturally I was expecting to see the driver somewhere, either in the car or walking out. But she never walks into view, so I start walking over there. In my gut, I had this feeling that something just wasn't right. It was like I knew that the car didn't just pull up, and was there the whole time. But it wasn't there, or I would have seen it, right? So I walk up to my neighbor and say, This is a dumb question, but was your car here the whole time, or did it just pull up now? He looks at me a little funny and says, No, it's been here for the past 30 minutes. I've been washing it. I tell him that when I pulled up, this car was not parked here. I say, You were spraying the road, and there was no car. Not wanting to sound any more crazy than I already did, I just turned and walked away. I've known this guy my whole life, so he just laughs, not realizing that I'm freaking out inside. My heart is racing like I just saw a ghost or something. I seem to experience this type of glitch pretty often, but it's always something small, like my lighter or something on the counter that I could have overlooked. Although it's been getting more clear that things are gone one second, 
and then back the next. There's still the possibility that I just didn't notice it. I never really know for sure. This time, though, I know for absolute certainty that car was 100% not there. The road had a big circle of soapy bubbles, and he was spraying in the center, as if there was a car there, but I just couldn't see it. The neighbors next to him have a big trailer parked in the road, and I remember I could see nothing but pavement from where I was all the way down to that trailer. No car in between. I think, deep down, we all know that the world we live in is just too amazing for us to have it all figured out. So, experiencing something like this, it just kind of confirms something I already knew. And even though this has happened, it's almost as if it never happened. I still have a million and one questions. Thanks for reading my true story, and I hope you all enjoyed the glitch of my life. I've been listening to you for quite some time now, and had never experienced a glitch of my own until this past summer. I wrote this shortly after it all happened, but wasn't sure if this was an actual glitch. I've finally decided to see what others think of this. Just before Independence Day of 2023, my fiancé and I were at a local shopping center when I received a notification on my phone that I had a new voice message. I was puzzled because my phone had no missed calls, so I decided to go ahead and listen to the message right then. What I heard was two people talking amongst themselves, in what sounded like a crowded place. I brought this to my fiancé's attention and let him listen too. We both brushed it off as a spam call and went about our shopping. As we were approaching a clearance display about 15 minutes later, my fiancé and I overheard an older couple, maybe early 70s, having the exact conversation that was left in my voicemail. First off, let me just say that I'm a big fan of your show. It's good to know that I'm not alone. Anyway, this happened when I was a child, and to this day, I remember every single detail. So, it was just a normal night, and I was in the kitchen with my dad, he was making something, and I was having a snack. Now, I don't have any mental health issues, and this hasn't happened since. Out of nowhere, everything starts to get blurry, and I see this human head. It shows up out of nowhere, and it was trying to tell me something, but I couldn't make it out. It sounded like radio static, and at that moment, time froze. I blacked out, and I woke up in my bed. My parents were asleep, and I don't remember going to bed. And I swear to God, I was not dreaming. It was like time had reset itself. This hasn't happened since, but this has really stuck with me. Anyways, thank you for your time and keep up the good work. Hi Raven, 
This happened a few weeks ago, and the more I think about it, the more I convinced myself that I stopped a head-on crash probably taking me with it. There are many ways that I can go to my local supermarket. On this day, I used the back roads on the estate where I live to reach the local rat run. The only remarkable thing on the outward trip was a 4x4 doing close to 80 miles per hour on this country lane. Coming back, however, I decided to take a longer ride back. As I was riding my bike along, I sensed a car coming up behind me, and at the same time I caught a glimpse in a gap of a car coming the other way, from around the corner. Now, there is no way the people in the car behind could see that car in front, as the hedges were too high, and they were sitting lower. Luckily, I was some three feet higher, so I just waved at them to stay behind me as I knew they would never pass, and to get back in front. Accident averted. I think they knew that they had been lucky, as I got away from both drivers and passengers as they finally came past. When I was 14 years old, I had a long-distance relationship with a teenage boy that I met on YM. You know, dumb teenage stuff. The entire relationship was just through phone calls and SMS. We decided to meet up once in the mall and he gave me a photo of him. So, when I went home and went to sleep, I kissed the picture. But I put it inside of my wallet's picture pocket and fell asleep hugging it. When I woke up, my wallet was still on my chest. The first thing I did was to say good morning to the picture, however it was gone. It was missing. I clearly remembered putting that picture inside of my wallet, because I very clearly even said I'll keep you right here. I panicked so badly. I cleaned my room to find it, but I couldn't. Nobody had gone inside of my room. Fast forward, I turned 20 years old and I was decluttering my room. I saw my old wallet, and when I opened it, the picture was there. The same spot. It didn't look like it had aged or anything like that, so I was shocked, and I couldn't find the word for how the heck it was there. I didn't know what it was called, but when I watched your channel and heard about these missing things suddenly reappearing... I realized, was this some kind of glitch or something? This happened to me and my boyfriend less than a month ago, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I moved to a small town in Missouri half a year before this. We hadn't learned the ins and outs of it very well, so... We were using GPS for the places that were surrounded by rural land. We had just taken my dad to the hospital for a procedure, which is in a very rural part of this place, and I decided that we should go to the library to wait for him to call me and let me know when to pick him up. My boyfriend loaded up the GPS and we started driving down the freeway back to town. It's a straight shot with a couple of turns as you're getting back into the urban area. All of a sudden, we're on a small two-lane road surrounded by wilderness that leads to a dead end. 
all of the houses on this road are old and abandoned. Me and him look at each other and start asking what the hell just happened. My boyfriend decided he wanted to see what was at the end before turning around. The dead end was a closed off street with warning signs surrounding it. Then to the left was a parking lot to a trail in the woods. We decided to not talk about it then because I was worried about my dad and we just went to the library. When we got home, we sat down and talked about how weird it was. We were on the freeway talking and then we were on this random road. My boyfriend has never had a problem following GPS while we are talking, and I'm a nervous person in cars, taking in all of my surroundings. It's like we teleported. We are both spiritual, so we chalked it up to us being meant to find that trail, although we were too scared to go back. I want a logical explanation. I've run through it so many times, but nothing. We just ended up being there. As spiritual as I am, I'm still a skeptical person, and I just can't make sense of this. So that was this week's collection of Glitch in the Matrix stories on the As the Raven Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this collection of glitchy goodness. If you did and would like to listen to more of this, you can always check out the other episodes of the podcast or support the channel further by actually going to my YouTube channel and checking out my videos. Just go to YouTube and search As the Raven Dreams. You can also go to AsTheRavenDreams.com for lots of other good stuff. Ways to get early access, read stories that I've written, submit your own story, and things like that. All that said, friends, thank you very much for listening. I do hope to see you in two weeks on the next Glitch in the Matrix episode. But until then, sleep well. <laughs>